the lovers of the Italian language and music will here be delighted by singers of the most eminent talents, as its name indicates. This theatre is devoted exclusively to the performance of Italian comic operas. It is supported by government and is attached to the Grand French Opera. The performances take place on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. Francis Coughlin, A Guide to France, Explaining Every Form and Expense from London to Paris, 1830. Paris, Italian Opera, 14 April, 1835. Clevedon tried to ignore her. The striking brunette had made sure she'd attract attention. She'd appeared with her actress friend in the box opposite his at the last possible moment. Her timing was inconvenient. He had promised to write Clara a detailed description of tonight's performance of The Barber of Seville. He knew Clara longed to visit Paris, though she made do with his letters. In a month or so he'd return to London and resume the life he'd abandoned. He'd made up his mind for Clara's sake to be good. He wouldn't be the kind of husband and father his own father had been. After they were wed, he would take her abroad. For now they corresponded, as they'd been doing from the time she could hold a pen. For the present, however, he intended to make the most of every minute of these last weeks of freedom. Thus, the letter to Clara wasn't his only business for the night. He'd come in pursuit of Madame Saint-Pierre, who sat in a nearby box with her friends, occasionally casting not unfriendly glances his way. He'd wagered Gaspard Arrandouille two hundred pounds that Madame would invite him to her post-opera soiree, whence Clevedon fully expected to make his way to her bed. But the mysterious brunette. Every man in the opera house was aware of her. None of them was paying the slightest attention to the opera. French audiences, unlike the English or Italians, attended performances in respectful silence. But his companions were whispering frantically, demanding to know who she was, that magnificent creature, sitting with the actress Sylvie Fontenay. He glanced at Madame Saint-Pierre, then across the opera house at the brunette. Shortly thereafter, while his friends continued to speculate and argue, the Duke of Clevedon left his seat and went out. That was quick work, Sylvie murmured behind her fan. Reconnaissance pays, Marceline said. She'd spent a week learning the Duke of Clevedon's habits and haunts. Invisible to him and everyone else, though she stood in plain sight, she'd followed him about Paris, day and night. Like the rest of her misbegotten family, she could make herself noticed or not noticed. Tonight she'd stepped out of the background. Tonight every eye in the theatre was on her. This was unfortunate for the performers, but they had not earned her sympathy. Unlike her, they had not put forth their best effort. Rosina was wobbling on the high notes, and Figaro lacked joie de vivre. He wastes not a moment, said Sylvie, her gaze ostensibly upon the doings on stage. He wants an introduction, so what does he do? Straight he goes to the box of Paris's greatest gossips, my old friend the Comte de Refeur, and his mistress, 
Madame Ironde. That, my dear, is an expert hunter of women. Marceline was well aware of this. His grace was not only an expert seducer, but one of refined taste. He did not chase every attractive woman who crossed his path. He did not slink into brothels, even the finest, as so many visiting foreigners did. He didn't run after maids and milliners. For all his wild reputation, he was not a typical libertine. He hunted only Paris's greatest aristocratic beauties and the creme de la creme of the demi-monde. While this meant her virtue, such as it was, was safe from him, it did present the challenge of keeping his attention long enough for her purposes.